Hey, everyone. I'm here with uh, John Wallace. Um, hi, John. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Good, thanks. Uh, so, first of all, um, I'll have you introduce yourself, and uh, also if you could uh, uh, let us all know um, about your nickname, why they call you the Mad Dog. All right. Yeah, my name is uh, John, in quotes, Mad Dog Wallace, or John Wallace, a.k.a. Mad Dog. <laughs> uh, I'm a runner, marathon runner, uh, not a professional runner, but just a hobbyist like uh, most uh, most runners, but uh, I've achieved a number of significant uh, things in uh, marathoning, but we'll probably get into some of those. But uh, got my name, uh, nickname Mad Dog, oh, probably 20 years ago when I was a group, with a group of really hardcore uh, uh, runners, racers who ran marathons and 10Ks, that type of thing. And we would, uh, it was in Dallas at the time, and we'd yep. run around a lake, White Rock Lake in Dallas. It was about 13 miles around the lake. And uh, like I said, we were hardcore. We'd be training at, oh, probably somewhere around a 6, six between 6 and 6.30 minute pace. And, Pretty quick. And uh, and uh, we would be uh, you know we'd be chasing each other and and uh, like I said for ten thirteen miles they just I mean I would just well I felt like I was suffering chasing them and then <laughs> uh, usually about the last two miles when I could smell the hay barn as they say <laughs> I would uh, I would go out to the front of the pack and uh, then they would chase me for the final two miles and they uh, they just started saying you know you're just like a you know, mad dog, you, uh, you're, you're so, per, you know, you persevere and you just, you know, can't lose you, you know. <laughs> and the name like stuck it. and uh, I kind of enjoyed it because it, uh, it, uh, signified uh, kind of my, you know, my, uh, perseverance in running and then, yep. uh, I also later on uh, used mad dog as an alter eagle when I, when racing and when I'm really hurting, I just hand the race off to mad dog because <laughs> he won't quit. That's fantastic. So, um, let's just go over, um, uh, your um, accomplishments here. So you have run over 300 marathons. How many to be exact? 360 to be exact in over 30 years. So that averages out to one a month for 30 years. Wow. And in over 100 different countries, is that correct? Uh, I just finished my 360th marathon in my 115th country, which is in the Isle of Guernsey. Wow. In the, in the Channel Islands. And you've also run in every uh, every state in the United States? Done every state twice. Uh, twice now. Wow. Twice, twice. I've done all the provinces and territories of Canada, of course, and then I've also done the seven continents. Wow, unbelievable. So, um, so what got you started running? So you said you started running about thirty years ago. I started so what, running what about got you started? thirty years ago. I quit. Well, it's actually probably thirty-five years ago now because I quit smoking and I, I was gaining weight. I was living in Canada at the time, and. Uh, uh, I think I quit. I probably quit smoking over the spring. I just kind of the end of hockey season. Yeah. And uh, started gaining weight, and the hockey season was over. So I decided, well, I'll go out and run, and uh, and that'll help me uh, lose the weight because I didn't want to start smoking again. And uh, I went out and ran one mile. I was at the time probably 33 years old. Thought I was in pretty good shape. I ran one mile as hard as I could, and I don't even know how fast that was. But at the end of the mile, I threw up, and I thought this is really ridiculous for you know somebody yeah. who's athletic and, and and supposed to be in good shape. And uh, so I just uh, I became uh, adamant that I was going to get 
back in, you know, in some kind of shape where I could run without throwing up. And yeah. after about a month or two, I found that the, the long runs, I'd go out and run 10, 12 miles on weekends when I had more time. And so how long did it take you to build up to 10, 12, mile, 12, 12 uh, miles? At that time, probably a couple months. Yeah. But I enjoyed the long runs better than I, I, in running the short stuff. And I, I didn't understand why at the time. I had no idea what, you know, things about training and stuff. I just, yep. all I knew is I felt really good after a 10-mile run. And of course, now I knew. I know. I mean, I was having runner's eyes and endorphins and all that, but mm-hmm. I didn't know that then. And uh, so I did that, just nothing. I started running, you know, 5, 10Ks maybe a couple of years after I, I started jogging, if you want to call it that. And then, uh, and again, I still, I would go out and sometimes run uh, no more than 15 miles, but even the 15-mile runs I seemed to enjoy. And I thought one morning, well, I'll go run a marathon. You know, I'm running 15 miles. It should be easy to run a marathon. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I ran my first marathon. I had no idea how fast, you know, I could, you should run one. And so runners Did you run it in training or an actual marathon race? I ran, no, I ran an actual marathon. Okay, yeah. Marathon in Reno, Nevada, where I was living at the time, and uh, like I said, I had no idea how to fast to run or what to pace myself. So I just looked it up in Runner's World, and uh, most of the normal people, or, you know, average people, were running like 3:30. So I said, "Well, 3:30 is a good goal. I should be able to run that because yeah. I, I kind of train and race at about a you know 7:30, 8 minute pace." Yeah. Yeah. So I ran. I went out fat, too fast, like most people. <laughs> I, I hit the wall around 22 miles. Yeah, and I mean, I well, they say that the, the the marathon is. Um, I mean, the first half is the you know the first thirty k, and then the second half is sort of the yeah. last ten twelve k. And yeah, I've only run run marathon, correct. but that's that was so true. Uh, it's it's true even after three hundred and sixty. Really, <laughs> it, it does not change. And uh, so I hit the wall, and I kind of heard about this nebulous wall, and it was there. It was a big brick wall, and I ran right into it. And I can remember vividly just saying, I mean, I was hurting so bad, but I didn't want to, I mean, I didn't want to quit because my family was waiting for me at the finish line. So I kind of walked and did whatever I could do, you know, and for about, oh, probably 22 to about 25 miles, the next uh-huh. three, four miles almost. Just fighting and, through. And I just kept saying, you know, this is the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> And if I live to get to that finish line, I will never, ever do anything this stupid again, ever. And then you did it 359 more times. And and I finished in 328. Wow. (laughs) And and about a week later, after I could walk and it didn't hurt so much, I woke up one morning and said, you know, if I really knew what I was doing and trained properly, I bet you I could run a marathon a lot faster. Yeah, you know what? And I never looked back. Same thing kind of happened to me. I've only run one, run one, but um, same thing happened after I did. I'm like, I'm never doing that again. And then after you recover and you kind of reflect back, you're like, yeah, I think I can do a bit better. And next thing yeah. you know, you're like thinking about your next one. Um, so it's, yeah, it's funny how that works. Um, so then, um, what at what point did you make the decision to? I guess your first decision was to run a marathon in every state. So what made you uh, decide on that goal? Uh, I was running, initially my first goal was to run a sub-three-hour marathon. That took okay. a couple of years before I actually achieved that. And then I could get pretty close to three hours or sub-three pretty you know, pretty easily. And by then I had run all the big ones like Boston, uh, New York, Chicago, 
I'd run Vancouver, Canada, that kind of thing, and and I was thinking, well, what's my? Because I'm goal oriented. I figured I, I need another goal. What could it be? And I was sitting on a bus one time after a marathon, and I went next to a guy. We were going out to the start line, and he started talking about the 50 State Club. And, I'd kind of heard of it, but didn't mm-hmm. really know what it was. And so he explained to me, and everybody was trying to run 50 states. And I thought, yeah, that's a great idea. I can <laughs> do that. And so there, you know, of course, I'm obsessive. So I think I counted up, and by then I'd already run 20 states. So okay. I, had to run, I had to run the next 30, of course, within, you know, basically one a month, with, you know, in the next three years. Yeah. And while I was doing that, of course, then I figured, well, I might as well go run my homeland, Canada. I might as well do all the provinces and territories. That's actually much more difficult, I think, than running the 50 states. Just logistically, it's, I mean, it's expensive and hard to get to a lot of. Uh, oh, and in Canada. From yeah, when you're when you're traveling, you know, trying to get there from the states at least. Yeah, long distances and. Yeah, um, you know, trying to get to Newfoundland or the Northwest Territories is not. Well, hard. yeah, and then you're limited with uh, the uh, weather as well. I mean, in the states, right. you've got a lot of options to run in the winter, where it gets a bit tougher up here. <laughs> And a lot of them, like Newfoundland, at least at then, I don't know now. They had there was one a year, and if you, uh, if you, uh, you know, if, if you couldn't schedule or you couldn't get there, you had to wait another year. Gotcha. In fact, it it, it actually the the one that time around Newfoundland, I went there with my wife, and but but a week before the thing, they they emailed me or wrote me or something and said the race had been postponed. Oh no. But I had, you know, I had all that thing. So we went on a vacation, and then I had to turn around and go back two weeks later for basically one day to run the marathon. Wow. Well, <laughs> that brings me to my next question, I guess. So when you started doing uh, all these marathons, I assume you were still working. And then um, yes. I also read that uh, at some points you were running two marathons in the same weekend. Uh, I did that quite frequently, especially trying to run the uh, 50 states. The, uh I would run one in one state and then on Saturday and fly or drive to the next state and run another one. Well, how how were how did your body cope with that? Um, actually, again, being obsessive, I, I, I by then I mean I was up in into my early fifties, so I but even then I said uh, I mean I was very upset if I couldn't uh, run a Boston qualifying time in both races. Yeah, and I always found the second race easier than the first race. So uh, how were your legs? Were you, your legs in you know, the second day, were they... No, no that's what I'm saying. I, I could actually run the second race faster than the first. I'd hold back a little bit on the first, but also, wow. you just, you know, you'd... I mean, you were obviously had, you just had a good training run the day before. <laughs> yeah, so what do they call that? I guess that's like the ultimate negative split, running yeah. in a weekend, running a, a marathon Saturday and then running a faster one on Sunday. Yeah. Um, and then when, with your work schedule, how did you manage your training and, and everything? Uh, very difficult in those days. I mean, I'd get up in the morning and run at 5, 4 or 5 in the morning, go to work, run maybe 10K at lunchtime, and then come home at night. And before I had dinner, I would uh, probably go out and maybe run another 8, 10 miles because mm-hmm. those days I was running between 90 and 120 miles a week. Wow. Uh, of course, I don't do that anymore, and I, and I don't know how I ever did it. Now, when I think about it now, I mean, I just I don't know how I did it. <laughs> um, so, do you have any um, favorite marathons? I mean, you've run so many, but is there two or three that stand on your mind as sort of being your favorites for any particular reasons? Uh, I like kind of like the smaller ones. Now, I don't like the big ones like New York and and Chicago, and just there's just too much logistics mm-hmm. and. and uh, but uh, the, the I guess the, I can 
what's the word, uh, contradict myself, because one of my favorite marathons is actually Boston, even though it's big and the logistics really suck, you know, because you have to get on the bus so early and yep. get out and wait at the start line sometime when some years you're, you know, you're freezing out there for a couple of hours waiting for the start. But I just like the uh, mystique and the crowds and everything at Boston. It's, it's a great race. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I mean, you could, I could say, you know, who, what's the most beautiful? And I mean, I could name five or ten around the world that are really, really beautiful. And what's the most challenging? And I can name two or three that probably fit. Well, you know, let's go there. What's uh, what were two or three of the most challenging uh, marathons? Probably the hardest marathon course in the world that I've run is uh, Pikes Peak in Colorado, you know, okay. the 14er, you start at 6,000 feet, run to 14,000 feet, that's the half, and you turn around and come back down. Oh, wow, that must be murder on the legs. It's murder on the legs, it's murder on the on your uh, cardiovascular system. I guess and the elevation, if you're, you haven't been yeah, training or living at elevation, 14, that makes it tough, too. 14,000 feet, yeah, made that tough. The, uh, so it's the hardest course, the, the hardest marathon I've ever run, actually, is uh, Mount Everest. And it, it, the course in Mount Everest, you, you go up to base camp, which is at 17-2, and you, and you start there, and you run, up, run uphill a little bit, but then basically you run back down and finish in, in a little village called Namchi Bazaar, which is about at 11 and a half. No, it's not that. Uh, yeah, I think it's about, uh, I'm trying to think what it would be. It's about a little... 11,500 feet where the finish line is, but it's not all straight down. I mean, it, you go up and down. Uh, mm-hmm. that, hill that's and an official down. marathon, like race? Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. There's an official marathon race in Everest. Wow, so how many runners would be in that race approximately? Uh, year I ran it, there was about 120 of us. And, okay. Uh, out of, and, and the reason that I call it the most difficult, challenging marathon, as far as I'm concerned, is out of the 120 of us, there was probably three, and I was one of the lucky ones, that actually got to the finish line and without being sick or, or, or being sick on the finish line. I mean, yeah. at the start line, not the finish line, at the start line. Because you have to go two weeks early and, and trek through the Himalayas. And, for two and acclimatize. To, to acclimatize to the altitude. And, the, and this, you know, the sanitary conditions and everything are atrocious. Mm-hmm. Everybody got either everybody got either sick from the, from the you know, uh, sanitary reasons or sick from altitude uh, reasons, you know. And so you were one of three people that I didn't have either. I was three people that didn't. I got sick after the race. Okay. <laughs> but that's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about, like, with regards to, um, say, temperature, like running a marathon in extreme cold or heat, any any particular marathons that were, were tough in those ways? Yeah, I've run a lot of races in the last five, six years uh, doing countries in Southeast Asia, and they're just... Southeast Asia and the Caribbean are just really, really, really difficult. Stinking hot and humid. I mean, you, you start at, usually you start in the dark at four o'clock in the morning, and you're because sun will come up in about six or six thirty. So you're able to get the first half in in what we call dark, and that's the cool part of the day because it might be only eighty degrees and about eighty percent humidity. Yeah. And then then it just goes up from there, and it's, for me they're just grueling. I do not do well in heat and humidity. Mm-hmm. So what's your strategy there? I mean, just you're drinking more uh, water I, uh, and conserving energy drink, a bit, or you know, I 
know, make sure you're well hydrated. I always go out and try and run the first half in quote in the dark, cool temperatures as fast as I can without being really stupid, but as fast as I can, and then just kind of struggle and stay hydrated through the second half. And it, yeah, literally, it's it's usually a half an hour difference in my times between the first half and second half. Okay. Um, now another question here: um, How has running changed your life? It's a sort of a big question, but uh, uh I think running kept me sane. I had very high stress jobs in marketing and sales most of my career and uh, and uh, running would be uh, when I go out and like I mentioned I'd go out and run ten k at uh, lunchtime mm-hmm. uh I could just go out and leave all the problems and everything behind me, or sometimes I'd actually end up solving some of my problems while I was running. <laughs> just, you, you, you know, the world goes away. You get on the endorphins, and you're relaxed. And uh, so it's it's a big. It was a big stress reliever, and yep. uh, really helped. And I, I I just felt it made me mentally and uh, and physically much better than my competitors, both you know, both in running and in the, in the business world. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a book. Have you read the book? I think it's called um, What I Think About uh, When I Think About Running. No. No. I I forget it's a Japanese author but uh, anyways it's um he's a writer but he he's also a, a marathon runner and he talks a lot about um just yeah exactly what you said like running gives you so much time to think and uh and gain perspective on life and um, he says oftentimes you're not thinking about anything you're kind of just it's this sort of blissful peacefulness yeah. um yeah, I'm, I'm I'm fortunate I uh... I, it takes me out of my mile, and I'm in what I call la la land. The endorphins kick in. Yeah. It doesn't matter what pace I'm I'm running at. I mean, if I'm running speed work, I, the endorphins will kick in, but uh, you don't go into la la land. But uh, if I'm just doing a nice easy training run uh, mile, I'm in la la land, and and I'm just totally relaxed, and my mind, uh, I'm oblivious to things around me, and you know I can. Like I said, I can solve problems or, or think about other things. Yeah, it's a fantastic feeling. Um, what's your What's your craziest marathon experience? Any like um, anything that happened that was um, you know ridiculous or uh, for any reason like really noteworthy? Uh, yeah, I've had a few. Uh, I ran the marathon in Israel and the uh, Hamas uh, lobbed uh, rockets at us uh, during the uh, second half of the marathon. Uh, I just heard the explosion. I, again, I was in La La Land. And I, heard the explosion. <laughs> I guess you weren't in La La Land after that. Well, no, I kind of heard them, and they, they weren't. I mean, they were they were landing like a half a mile away from the course. They you know they didn't have any proper directions or whatever. So yeah. But you know, I remember some of the other runners saying, "Oh, oh that's not good." <laughs> wow, yeah. <laughs> and I'll Pick up the pace. I just heard some of the explosions, and then uh, one race they ran a race in Bosnia and. Uh, uh, running around the course and I was the uh, uh, one of the few people that weren't from Bosnia you know, Europeans there was only there was only about 14 of us in the race so they give me a little uh, they give me assigned a little 12 year old guy on a bike to show me around the course and it was kind of uh, uh, two loops two half marathon loops okay and uh, so the first half I was running pretty good, and I just followed the kid. I mean, I would, which is kind of dumb, but I just followed him, and, and then they assumed, well, he'd been around. I'd been around the course uh, once, so I knew my way, which I kind of did. I got lost maybe for a quarter of a 
Anyway, on the second loop, since I didn't have the kid to follow and kind of talk to a little bit, uh, I noticed all these banners along the side of the road. And I knew what they were. I mean, it was in whatever their language is, but across the bull, it was, uh, there were minefields all along the uh, wow. marathon course. And uh, and all I, I remember thinking, I'm, and I already noticed them on the first loop, because like I said, I was intent on following the kid and everything, and all I could think of on the second loop was, if I need to any kind of a bathroom rake whatsoever, I'm doing it right in the middle of the road. <laughs> there's no way, there's no way I'm stepping off this uh, this road. And so I asked the uh, race director at the end of the race. I said, you know, were those things all those ribbons and signs and everything what I think they were? And he says, oh yeah, we we haven't uh, we haven't cleared the minefields out in that section of the course yet. Wow, not your average marathon there. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, okay, um, another question I had, I guess, uh, with running so much and the, just the pure volume of training and races you've done, in, um, what types of running injuries have you had? Uh, no, well, I shouldn't say, I was going to say no structural bone things, but I actually have uh, broken uh, both leg stress fractures. Um Right leg, the first time I broke it, I didn't, you know, until like the third marathon. I mean, because you, you learn how to run through pain, and after yeah. about the third marathon, I decided, well, this this pain's not going away, so I went in, and sure enough, MIR showed a stress fracture. Uh, I've torn both calves, both hamstrings, one abductor, uh, just, you know, every must basically every muscle in both legs I've either torn or bruised or, you know, yeah. whatever. But no, no major. Nothing has kept you from running. Nothing, you know. My knees haven't worn out. My hips haven't worn out. From that point of view, I'm. uh, I think I'm genetically blessed. Because everybody says, "How how can your knees? How can you run that many times that often? You know, and your knees not be." Yeah. Well, actually, you know what? I think that's a common misconception. I've read some some research on, and they say that runners. um, they they develop you know osteoarthritis at um, no more uh, they're no more likely to to develop it than um, a non runner um, so I think it's kind of one of those myths out there that everyone thinks you know if you run it's eventually gonna you know your knees are gonna get shot but I don't think that's the case um, now what to, any tips for uh, for other people you know looking to run their first marathon. Um, that many times. Yeah, I'm sure you have. I just had a young close friend run his first marathon. He emailed me and said, "What's the tip?" And I said, "And you've heard this, I'm sure." And I said, "Start out slow and then slow down." Yeah. <laughs> and he he emailed me back and he, said, he ran the Chicago marathon. He emailed me back and he says, "Thanks for the advice. It was very good. I finished the marathon." I think that's it too. I mean, the first one yeah. you just you just got to get through it because you don't yeah, know what to expect most, most until you've done people, it. I mean, I still do it uh, after 360 marathons. I don't do it very often now, but once in a while, I'll, I'll go out too fast. Yeah. And if you do that, you're, I mean, you're going to pay. So the smartest thing you can do on your first marathon or two is, is just start out at a nice, easy kind of training pace. And once you get to 15 or 18 miles, just deliberately just slow down. Yeah. That's great advice. Um and then um, just to sort the of last thing here, so what's next for you? Do you have uh, are you training for anything in particular now, or uh, what, what's yeah, next? I've, I've, uh, I'm kind of running out of goals. I've uh, I've finished uh, 
four, five of the seven continents. I've finished every country in five of the seven continents, so I've still got some countries left to do in Africa and Asia. Uh, problem with Asia, a lot of the countries I've got left to do, for instance, end in Stan. <laughs> okay, so are you looking to run every um, country in the world uh, now? Yeah, yeah, well, the only thing, um, uh, there's only about 125 countries that have marathons, and I've run 115 of them, so I'm okay. down to maybe 15. There might even be 20. There might be uh, might be 130 countries, but uh, basically I have about 15 to 20 countries left in the world that have official marathons that I haven't run. But out of them, like I'm saying, a lot of them are like ends and stands and Saudi Arabia. I can't, I've tried to run that. I can't get in. You, they just they just won't let Westerners in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, other ones like in Africa, what's happening now is the it's so difficult uh, airfare wise, expense wise to get to uh, marathons in Africa. A typical airfare now is twenty five hundred to three thousand dollars. Wow. It's just the airfare to get there, so it's yeah. uh, I'm having to really pick and choose, and you know, see if I can find uh, you know reasonable cheap airfares. But yeah, I'd still like to do a few more countries in uh, Asia and Africa. So you're not I done. Think, <laughs> I'm not done. I figure I might get to 120, 125. I'll probably be. I don't. I don't think I can't see myself getting beyond 125. Wow. Well, listen, John. Uh, thanks very much for your time and uh, some amazing stories. Um, that I think you know everyone will enjoy, and um, best of luck in your your next few races and crossing those last few off your list. All right, I appreciate the time, and just tell the uh, readers to, uh, it's, if you know, just to uh, have fun and then to run, wrap it around. See, I, I enjoy uh, traveling, so it got into I get into the, the habit of you know I don't go anywhere unless it's a kind of a marathon there, you know. But it's uh, at the same time I went to a lot of countries. Well, I, I would never have thought of going, and, but I went there because there was a marathon, and I've enjoyed every every one of them. Well, that's a great that's a great point, actually. The yeah. whole traveling and experience aspect. My I did my first marathon in Dublin, Ireland, and um, yeah. my wife and I went over for the weekend. And um, not only you know did I do the marathon, but it was also a chance to you know check out Dublin, and I spent a couple of days after the marathon recovering and. You know, enjoyed sightseeing and learning a new culture, and um, yeah, yeah it must. I mean, you've done that many times, so it's uh, yeah. it's also another is, uh, bonus. You, that's a big one, so you may not have. Yeah, but you, uh, I'll find the smaller when I go to smaller marathons in in, in more third world countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, I get to see it from viewpoints that the tourist doesn't, because typically the the runners will take me, and sometimes I'll actually stay and run with runners in those countries stay with them and their family and they take me around and show me and we have parties and and so by the time like i say i I usually spend a week or so a week 10 days in a country uh i'm usually like i said staying with local families or even if i'm a hotel the local families are entertaining me so i get a really good uh uh, insider's view yeah with the culture and how the people think and what's going on in the country i just i'm done i'm not getting the plastic that's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, John. Well, thanks very much, and uh, we'll sign off here and uh, talk to you soon. All righty. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Please stand by.